0: That's right. ChumbaCasino.com has over a 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No website for details. Over 7 million different animals inhabit our planet. Now, this is what's so funny about great whites, or what what I've always found fascinating, is the males are sometimes... What can they teach us?
1: Toxic level that would be heavy metal poisoning for definitely people and a lot of animals had no effect.
0: Many species are in crisis and need your help. Join the movement
1: at allcreaturespod.com. (laughs)
0: this is Chris. I can't even control myself. I'm sorry. (laughs) Angie hates it. It fought me for me even playing the Jaws theme. I'm doing it on purpose. Why, Angie? Why are you so against the Jaws theme?
1: Well, I did a senior thesis on it back in undergrad because that movie in the 80s, uh, we a lot of us 70s, grew up on it. 70s. I'm oh, the 70s. <laughs> yes, okay, like I, wa- I must have watched. I, 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 uh, I was barely alive then, so I must have yes. watched, watched the. Well, well, maybe like how many were there? The, there was a long series. There's
0: uh, three or four. Three that or something. Really dumb. So yeah.
1: But yes, I uh, of course grew up on that, and <laughs> I get so
0: laughing. I'm sorry, <laughs> <laughs> just you get so triggered, and it
1: makes even the most logic person fearful of sharks. I know, and it they does. get such a bad reputation that reputation has carried them ever since. Mm-hmm. Um, they are in big trouble in our oceans for numerous reasons. Huge, trouble. and everybody's afraid of jaws because of the quote unquote shark attacks and how it displayed the great white. But the reality is, is they're not that they're not that dangerous. I mean, of course, sharks can be dangerous when they attack humans, but I the numbers are very, very low and very low. But the movie instilled fear in everyone, especially even me as a child. And I and I grew up in Lake Michigan, so I felt very confident swimming in that water because there were no sharks. And so and that's what all the parents would say. Oh, you're fine. There's no sharks.
0: I was a little kid growing up in California, running up my stairs, worried that Jaws was going to grab me from my carpet. Right. That's how bad that movie scared children and everybody. It was and adults horrific. And all of yes. that,
1: and and so it's just such an unfair portrayal. And movies do that. Movies, movies can be make believe. Mm-hmm. Movies can be they
0: are make believe. Uh,
1: can be exact. Can exaggerate um, and be dramatic for dramatic effect. Uh, and, but that one had a, had a long lat has this continual long lasting, uh, on, uh, effect on people and they get a bad rap. Most shark bites, they bite a whole, if they do bite onto a person because they mistake it perhaps, potentially for a prey, they let go of you because you taste like Doritos and Twinkies and Mountain Dew and you don't taste like a yummy fur seal or whatever they're going for. And so, mm-hmm. Chris will share some statistics uh later on the podcast yeah. but they typically let go there that's not what they're going for
0: no they it's a mistake of, yeah it's yeah. a total mistake
1: it's and total of, of mistake. course it's, the bigger the shark like a great white or a tiger shark things like that uh, if they but they might bite on you by accident um and their bite can be pretty far, powerful and that's why it, there are sometimes deaths from that. Very
0: low, though. Very I, Still, more cows kill more people in the United States than all the shark attacks combined in the world that kill people. So, right. yeah, the fearsome reputation is not deserved. And I will say, Peter Benchley, who wrote Jaws, regretted ever writing that story. Because in the end, it did more harm to sharks than anything. Now, I will say, Angie, in all fairness, Shark Week on Discovery Channel when it started years and years and years ago has done a tremendous job on getting rid of that reputation, right? Showing that these animals aren't just killing, biting, eating machines, that there is some intelligence and social structure and things like that. And, the, and I mean, I've seen people, I remember the first time I saw somebody free diving with a great white and I was like, oh my God, you're going to die. And they just show, no, the shark was inquisitive. It's like, oh, what are you? You know, you're not part of my food chain, but wow, you know. It's so there's been a lot of education to dispel that. But you're right; it still instills fear. So I'm, I'm just glad that I, I got that out of you because the great white shark is so beautiful, such an amazing creature. So this is again going to be an awesome podcast talking about a beautiful species that needs our love and attention because they've yes, been persecuted.
1: They have. They have and That's a great word for it. And I'm going to go out on a limb here and say we shouldn't be concerned about shark attacks. What we need to be concerned about are human attacks, exactly on the yep. sharks. Yeah. Uh, and the interactions us, it it's is us. The interactions yeah. with humans are not well for the sharks. They need to be much more fearful of us. And swimming in the ocean worrying about a shark attack is kind of a waste of time you had much a lot greater chance of dying driving to the beach that you went to than actually being killed by a shark
0: so yeah and I, and I and you know and i've got the statistics on uh, you know as far as what animals kill the most people per year and 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 here's here's a spoiler alert the sharks aren't even in the top 15 they're they're, they're like they're like 20 i'll get there i'll get there um angie i didn't tell you this oh my gosh i forgot to tell you this before we even started recording. I checked our statistics on iTunes. Do you know it was it was a couple weeks ago we spiked to number 57 in iTunes science category for a day.
1: Awesome. Yeah. That's a We hit
0: 57. Like out of 700,000 podcasts. You know probably Wait, was this 80, in just the science, science
1: or this was in all? It just okay, science. Still, it was whatever. just in That's science. That's pretty we, radical. We we, yeah.
0: we spiked to 57. So we're, we're teasing it. So it can't just be our family
1: members listening and our,
0: no, our
1: Patreons. No, No, and I looked, you know,
0: we actually, I was, Oh, where was it? It it was, uh, Oh, Zaire or somewhere in Africa. We had a couple downloads. Yeah. For the Mm -hmm. first time, you know, and always South Africa and Kenya and, and Rwanda, you know, a couple of those places too, that pop up every now and then. And and then obviously other places around the world, but I thought that was really cool. I was like, oh my gosh, we haven't seen someone from there yet. All right. What does, and I will not say Jaws again for the rest of the podcast. I promise. Okay. And you better not put put Jaws in the title
1: either or else. Oh
0: God, no, I will not. I will not. But what do we know? What they look like? You know, this is the largest known predatory fish today. So, as, as far as predatory fish, this is the largest.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: You know, uh, very iconic shark, slate gray on top, white underneath. Now, the this is what's so funny about great whites, or what I what I've always found fascinating, is the males are sometimes eh, you know a third less long and big as the females. The females rockin'. are the giants of the species. Girl
1: power. Heck yeah. Yeah.
0: You know, they, they get up to 15, 16 feet or almost five meters, where the males can get up to four meters or 13 feet long. I mean, still huge. I mean, that's a big, big fish. But, you know, compared to those females. Now, did you get the statistics on the largest shark ever caught? I did. I, Unfortunately. Yes. Yeah, re- it was yeah. recently. I don't know if you got it the same really one like I did.
1: 2018. Yeah. Well, one statistic that I found was deep blue, a female that's filmed off of Mexico's Guadalupe Island in 2013. Oh, that
0: one. And she yeah. was 20 okay, feet yeah. long
1: and they think she's 50 years okay, old. Okay. More or less. I don't know how they know that.
0: Yeah. And so she's probably, yeah, the there's one in 1945, they found off Cuba about 21 feet long, 7,000 pounds, 3,300 kilograms. Big. But that, that's big. So she's, she was huge. I remember seeing that video. She was enormous, just enormous, gorgeous shark, just, just cruising by, doing her thing. You know, not chomping yeah. people at all, not even just curious. That's it. They're just curious. Like, oh, what are you? This is cool. You know, that's all they do. Now, these sharks range in temperate coastal waters. That is really where they want to be. Now, they do their oceanic range is huge you know i think i saw this this word we, we said it in orcas your favorite word for orcas was cosmopolitan ah, yeah. do you remember that <laughs> a cosmopolitan yes, that was a range fun word. It, yeah and that's what they called this too and you know they obviously like to feed you know in coastal regions where there are seals and there are other things that they like to to, to feed on which we'll get to in nutrition there have been studies that have tracked great whites across the Pacific ocean from South America yes. to Australia. So they will range oh, yes. very far. And I know we're going to get to my home state of California, but you know they're right there. I was driving by the ocean today and I, you know, I looked out and I'm like, I wonder how many great whites are, are just in my field of vision right now. And I guarantee you there's a handful, a few.
1: Well, and there's really cool technology out there as far as tagging, and tracking uh, great whites and some tiger sharks that is helping us learn a little bit more about their behavior and they typically weren't considered migratory but yeah, some of this data is proving like you said from South Africa to Australia and back twenty thousand kilometers in under nine months that's that's huge, and that's yeah. some deep water obviously yeah uh, travel, and so they're not really sure why, or if all of them do this, uh, but it does. It does. Mm-hmm. But it does start to question some of the typical stereotypes that they're just these coastal theaters inhabitants and stuff, mm-hmm, theaters and things like that.
0: Yeah, Angie. And to settle debate with Julie, they actually do range in the Mediterranean Sea. So oh. <laughs> we, we used <should> to <laughs> well, talk about range. off Greece.
1: Yeah, every think, ocean
0: think, except Arctic yeah. and Antarctic waters. A little bit too mm-hmm. cold for them.
1: Yeah, nothing's yeah. really off limits for them.
0: Yeah. And then, oh, I know what I was going to tell you. Off Florida, I remember them tracking Shark Tracker. I used to have that app and I would just, just, just to see. And Great White circling around Florida into the. Oh, a ton Gulf. of them. I just yeah. looked,
1: I just looked yesterday. Oh, yeah. yeah. No, yeah. I used to follow Mary. Yeah, um, Mary, that's the one. Other yeah, mm-hmm. Mary. Yeah. yeah, it was Mary. Yeah, yeah no, she, like, she likes Florida, North Carolina area. Yeah. She'll go up to Massachusetts. Yeah. So, yeah, oh, definitely off of Florida, um, without a doubt, yeah, all, for sure. all the time, mm-hmm. all the
0: time. Now, as we opened up, you know, obviously, you know, poking, uh, not poking fun at Angie, but just getting her a little bit fired up about the species. Sharks are so critical, Angie. They're so critical to the ecosystem. And that is why, the again, the oceans are in crisis cephalopods are, are just going through the roof and breeding because the predators are disappearing. We talked about it in immortal jellyfish, the food chain in the ocean is starting to break down. You know, we know that we're seeing that red tides. You're starting to see, you know, acidification of the corals, all the garbage in the oceans. All these things are putting incredible pressure on our oceanic species and being, Now, great whites—they still say great whites are the top predator. I would argue orcas are because orcas eat great whites, which we covered, and we'll cover a little bit in this pod. Mm -hmm. That yeah, I still think orcas are are the top king, but I would say great whites are the queens. You know, they're they're huge and they're a top top predator. Yeah, they're smaller
1: than orcas, but not by much.
0: No, no, but they are critical. Not only do they you know hunt sick, injured animals, they also eat dead wildlife, whales, you know, we know that, you know, so they're kind of the ocean's cleanup crew with some of these larger uh, mammals or fish species. And Angie, a lot of recent studies are showing that as sharks are being removed, great whites and the others, they're having a huge impact on us, our food chain and the economy. I found a couple of cool points. I just want to make before I let you run with it. So a study in North Carolina Showed that when great whites were, were hunted and persecuted, and they're still not recovering off the east coast that well, well. We'll get to there of the United States, but they eat rays. That's one of their big big parts of their diet. Yeah. Well, with less sharks, these rays have yeah. obviously abundance have gone up, and they eat all the base scallops. So a lot of fisheries have closed because there's no scallops because of the rays. The another one, the quahog, is a key ingredient in clam chowder. So the disappearance of scallops and now clams, as a result of this, the rays also eating clams, that they're starting to harm. You can't. It's hard to, to get clam chowder, New England clam chowder. You know, which is one of Don't my favorite. my husband suits. that he is yeah. a huge
1: fan. Yeah, yeah, I, I love it too. I, I would really like to try to make it from scratch, but I just know it won't be as good as when we're. Uh, back at, a, at a good restaurant in yeah. Boston. <laughs> in Boston. <laughs> yeah, John's hometown. So, And then
0: here's something you'll love. Okay, sharks influencing ecotourism. In the so Bahamas. So when it's not
1: about the money, let's talk about it's, the money. Yeah,
0: it's about okay, the so money. Okay, so we got
1: clams and scallops disappearing. So that's important. Because of rays. Money. Mm-hmm. Yeah.
0: So you're hurting the fisheries industry. Again, the food web's breaking down, you know, nature imbalance. Then. Ecotourism, the Bahamas. They estimate a single live reef shark is worth a quarter of a million dollars for dive tourism,
1: where yeah, it's so only I've, worth
0: fifty bucks for by a fisherman. Right.
1: Right. A statistic that I found was that a single live shark that visits each boat can create anywhere from nine thousand to twenty-seven thousand pounds daily. Yeah. Daily. So. Yeah. Per day.
0: And that's that's money. That's money. That's money. The British pounds, pound. The British, British pound. yes. <laughs> pounds of BS or pounds of something. But I yeah. should have
1: said it in my British accent. That would have helped yeah. it.
0: Yeah. No, it but wouldn't. No, I mean.
1: I, I don't
0: have a good one. The, you have to care about sharks. We have to care about sharks. If you care about the oceans, yes. no do we have to care about and orcas, we, ha- we have to care about sharks. Yes.
1: And if we haven't convinced you from a ecosystem role as an apex predator, cleanup crew, as Chris mentioned, or from when it's not about the money, it's about the money, economical importance. Let's talk about medical importance. So Chris, just recently, there was a paper put out with a group of biologists from the University of Miami. So here in the great state of Florida, the biologists had collected samples from 43 great white sharks off of the South African coast, different ages, different sexes. And what they found was, although that there's high, high very, very high levels of mercury, lead and arsenic, okay, those are heavy toxic metals, there was the great white's blood looked perfect the white blood cell count and ratios of lymphocytes looked very healthy and indicating that this toxic level that would be heavy metal poisoning for definitely people and a lot of animals had no effect on them from a, uh, from an overall health point of view from, and so it's really interesting because it's what, the researchers are hypothesizing is it basically demonstrates sharks, impressive ability to adapt to environmental changes and issues. And so Chris is going to talk a lot about this during evolution, I hope, but basically great, great white sharks are swimming dinosaurs. They have been around Mm. for a long time, crazy amount of time. And they've had to obviously ride out some weird times in the Mm -hmm. geological period of the earth and how it was changing. So, and it's changing now. We obviously are in a huge, the sixth mass mass extinction. Right. And crazy uh, climate change and things like this. And so what the researchers are thinking and want to look more into is how are they doing this? They're in general, I guess, and I didn't know about this, but uh, great white sharks, have known to have self-healing mm-hmm. uh properties and right. they can also avoid age related ailments that would typically impact humans they do get cancer they're not like elephants but other mm-hmm. other age related ailments they don't get so it's just really fascinating and i think we know so little about them and <laughs> my behavior and reprosection will be pretty quick uh yeah, yeah. well for me it'll be quick but for you guys yeah. it'll probably still be long <laughs>
0: No, it's always good. It's always, hey, so no, and just really quickly, Angie, you talked about elephants fighting cancer, and and I well, know they we don't get cancer. Like, yeah, so they are yeah. first, or or it's very rare. It's very, very rare, rare in them, and they mm-hmm. fight it off by the what the p fifty three gene mm-hmm. is it. And then I remember talking to one of the the main researchers, Wendy, that was on that study, and she was telling me. I don't remember what cells specifically it was, but the cancer kill, fighting cells was like in humans, it was like two to five, but in elephants it was like 70, and 80 or something like that. It, I'd have to talk to her again to get the specifics on it. But yeah, it was amazing that, you know, we're learning so much from wildlife. And I remember great white specifically from, you know, obviously shark week and they were showing wounds a year earlier mm-hmm. for, you know, biting wounds and stuff. They think maybe during mating or whatnot, and the shark comes back the next year and they're totally fine you can barely see any scar tissue
1: right like
0: yeah incredible and their livers must be incredible healing. that's why orcas eat them because <laughs> their livers must be so good at filtering this stuff
1: well and yeah and to be able to live with this toxic these this toxic amount of metals and not have any issues or obvious issues related to it would be really important to us for to learn about those mechanisms rather uh, perhaps to create new treatments for humans that are exposed to toxic metals, lead poisoning, etc. cetera. Uh, and so, yeah, I the only downfall of the study is that being the apex predator that great whites are, they are getting a lot of this heavy metal exposure from the fish that they eat. In
0: the diet, yeah, and their, their diet, diet. Yeah.
1: and so yeah. it's a it's a food chain. So where are those animals getting it? And if obviously if we're getting the
0: fish microplastics from the ocean, in the ocean uh, right? And uh,
1: and, then, and we're us humans are consuming that. We we it's just another sign that points out that we need to clean up our oceans. Uh, now some mercury is found naturally in oceans. Uh, So, there's different types of mercury and things like that. So, that's a different podcast for a different day. But lead and arsenic, that's human made. And that's, if that's in the ocean, that's probably from, yeah, I would say garbage or a runoff.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I know. I know. I know. It's really, it's really horrific. All right. So, let's go to jump to some fun stuff shark evolution. (laughs) Now, we talk about. Oceanic species being tough to cover, but we know, Angie, after living, well, after I lived in Florida and you living in Florida, that it's a lot easier to study sharks because. Um, What do you like to do some weekends with the kids?
1: Oh, we go shark teeth hunting. Yeah, yeah, Mm -hmm.
0: because they shed these teeth so much. (laughs) It's all right, but, you know, going out with the kids, you know, I've done it with my two boys. And sifting through the sand and finding shark teeth because yes, Florida we go to used our local to be streams. It's one of yeah.
1: our favorite, uh, hobbies. Xander's amazing yeah. at it. And it's just yeah. so cool because he finds it and he, he's starting to understand mm-hmm. extinction and evolution and all right. that. It's obviously a little bit muddy, but yeah. I'm holding this tiny dinosaur, dinosaur tooth, Freudian yeah. slip there, uh, this tiny yeah. shark tooth. Yeah. And I, and I'm like, this, this, is millions of years old.
0: Yeah. It's fascinating. It's fascinating. This is from when, when it. Florida so was, was underwater, was yeah, underwater. Yeah. Yeah. This is crazy. It's so crazy. It's so fun. It's and of course a fun our, our to museum
1: here too, the Florida museum of natural history is just phenomenal mm. as far yeah. as a lot of the, the fossils that they've been able to find and dig up. Um, and I know you'll get to yeah. that. Uh, some of the largest species of sharks. I can't well, wait for it. <laughs> I
0: know. So this is a 450 million year old story. Again, 450 million years. This is one of the most ancient species we've covered. Now we covered, you know, whale shark and a couple other things. I mean, do you know the oldest, do you remember the oldest I'm stumping you right now.
1: No. (laughs)
0: Jellyfish. Remember, jellyfish was like 500 million or something.
1: Yeah.
0: Because some of the earliest life forms were jellyfish. Mm -hmm. So sharks have been around a long, long time. Do you know, here's a cool science fact. This is why I love doing this and digging this. Do you know sharks are older than trees? Sharks wow. have been around longer on Earth than trees.
1: How is that even? Uh, well, because I guess trees are a more a more advanced plant species.
0: Plant species, yeah. Trees didn't evolve, didn't didn't start first appearing until about three hundred eighty five million years ago. How crazy is wow. that? How crazy is That's that? That's crazy. That is, I that love so facts. Facts are awesome. I know it's so fun. So you know, sharks belong to this group of creatures, cartilaginous fish, or cartilage is their skeletal structure. They don't really have bone. The It's soft, flexible tissue. And these first sharks that appeared 450 million years ago, they didn't really have any teeth. Okay. Now.
1: That's my kind of shark.
0: I know. <laughs> like gums you to death. But in the Devonian period, about 380 million years ago, you start to see these, these teeth sharks appearing. They actually looked more like eels than sharks. But they think about around this time, 360 million years ago, they call it the golden age of sharks. Oh, cool. And this was when we had one of our mass extinction events. Mm. And this is what's so – it's going to be crazy when I I get into this a little bit. So when the – 360 million years ago, we had a mass extinction event wiping out 75% of all species on earth. A lot of fish died, but not sharks. And so sharks evolved – And they were the dominant species on the planet. Now, 200 million years ago, during the early Jurassic period, is when the earliest of our modern sharks started emerging. So when Angie's saying these things are ancient, I mean, we can go back 200 million years and track the earliest ancestors. Now, during the fifth mass extinction event, that's the one that preceded us, right? So that was... When T-Rex went extinct, the big asteroid or comet struck the Yucatan Peninsula, and then the rise of mammals and all these other species that we have today started. That extinction event killed off the largest known species of sharks. So we had some huge sharks then that came in, they died off. And it makes kind of sense because there was no large predators around. And so the smaller deep water sharks, these are the ones... That survived. So how did sharks survive all of these mass extinction events? That was what's so yeah. crazy that, you know, something happens to the earth. All life gets wiped out. A lot of terrestrial life gets wiped out. A lot of oceanic life gets wiped out, but sharks survived and jellyfish survived and some other things survived in the deep oceans. It's because they really thought these deep water species and their generalist feeders that they were able to push through and and struggle and survive. And so, you know, they think the different diversity in sharks, that's why there's so many different shark species, that may have helped them. That may have helped them, which is crazy. Like you think about it, it's just they're the one of the species that have survived again and again and again, and they'll survive the six, maybe not great white sharks, maybe not some of the other big species, but some shark species are going to survive this or should. You know who knows? We we can change the chemistry of the ocean and kill everything off. Then we're then right, we're we're exactly. done too. That's, if that happens, I mean enough. we're done. We're, we're done.
1: That's why we're, we're here. That's yeah. why we're here, right? We're. I know.
0: <laughs> it's not going to happen. Conservation optimism. So, great white specifically originated around 60 million years ago. Here, I'm going to try to stump you. Here, can you guess the newest species of shark? The one that has the the shortest time frame. Hmm.
1: Okay, In so evolution. not a hammerhead. Um,
0: yeah, it is a hammerhead. Is
1: it? <laughs> <Okay. laughs> yes. Could I be more? Opp- I was just thinking that's that's such a weird evolutionary. Yeah. Uh, adaptation. Yes, it's definitely. Yeah. I know it falls under. We've talked about edge species before. Those are mm-hmm. um, the tax taxonomically distinct mm-hmm. species right. that aren't super related. So losing them would be mm-hmm. just. Extra horrific, They're, losing any species is horrific, but right okay, so I right. was kind of going the wrong way with it uh so the,
0: no uh, no okay. you yeah, it was hammerhead 20 million years, so great white's been around for about sixty million. Hammerhead's been around I mean
1: that hammerhead's years. an interesting evolutionary We'll have <laughs> to cover is, that. Is. I don't know much about it, but it's some point. I love it yeah, I love at everything some point. About it. I love looking at them. they make me happy.
0: Now, this is really interesting, Angie. That they used to always think great whites came from megalodon. Okay, so
1: that's the big we yeah, going to get megalodon that's in the a big minute. Big bad boy, we get big, to see big one at my museum here. Yeah,
0: yeah, yeah. So they used to think that's where great white sharks evolved from, but for the last uh, couple cent- centuries, last couple decades, they've actually identified that great whites are more related to okay. mako sharks. Hmm. Which, again, is another amazing species that swims very, very hard, uh, that swims very, very fast. And basically, they base it on on tooth structure, growth rates, things like that. And so, they're they're more related to makos than the megalodon. Now, great whites are Karchard- very Carcharis.
1: That's a mouthful.
0: Probably <laughs> I'll that. let you
1: do that one. <laughs> yeah. <laughs>
0: Carcharodon, Carcharis. That's their scientific name. Also called great white, white shark or white pointer, not jaws. I'm sorry. I said it again, but not, that is wrong. They are from the Lamidae family, which is mackerel sharks, mm-hmm. which is cool. You have white sharks, makos, long fin, short fin, and the port beagle and the salmon shark. So they're all from that. Now, again, the largest, we did say this in, I was going to look for the smallest shark, but I'll save that for another day. The largest shark was Megalodon. We did cover this before, but I wanted to get a little bit more detail. They lived 23 to 3 million years ago. So they died out about 3 million years ago. And there's still some debate on their actual size in science. Some argue that they could be as short as 45 feet or 13 meters or as long as 80 feet, 25 meters. It's almost as big as a blue whale which is cra- great. <laughs> that would scare me. Oh, my God. 30 to 60 tons, somewhere in there. So huge, had that cosmopolitan range. They think it's probably one of the most powerful top predators ever to exist in the world. They'd eat whales, dolphins, anything that could get its teeth around. So um, pretty big, fearsome predator back then. So, Angie, I know we... We kind of left off uh, Orca part one of talking about this, and it's interesting because they're actually using this to age sharks, and that's the the carbon dating I was talking about. Ah, yes. It's the bomb we carbon dating last week. where – yeah, the curve. Yeah, so they've actually found that this is really a useful way of doing aging sharks. So what it's showing is that sharks actually live a lot longer than people previously right. thought.
1: Yes. So I like was some data about that.
0: Yeah. So you just said that one gray white, they thought she was mm-hmm. 50 years old, which is ancient for sharks, I guess. They think they can live up to 70. Yes.
1: Yes. So
0: yeah. Really,
1: really incredible yeah. because it was always, the literature always thought like, Oh, 30, maybe 40. And then, and then it was 50 right. and now it's, potentially 70 that we know of. So yeah, yeah. it's really, I mean, yeah. that's the thing is they live long lives and they stay healthy and they can heal themselves. So they're doing a lot of things, mm-hmm. right. Mm-hmm. Except for being a shark.
0: So that's important. yeah, I know. I know. But that bomb carbon curve, I talked about mm-hmm. carbon 14 curve, radioactive uh, dating. So it was between 1955 and 1963 was when like the massive nuclear testing was going on. So it doubled the amount of carbon 14 in the atmosphere. And so that's in the air we breathe plants breathe, breathe it in during photosynthesis. So then, you know, we feed those plants or animals eat those plants, get the carbon 14 in their tissue. We eat, those plants or those animals, we get that carbon-14 in our tissue. And without going into how cells are formed or whatever, but that carbon-14 gets incorporated into us, mm-hmm. in our tissue, right? So the half-life is about every 11 years, it decreases by half. So connective tissue, this is where you said last week, Skin. I agreed with you with skin, that's very true. But if we could get some connective tissue, on some of these whales or species, we can carbon date it because they can go into, into people that lived in the fifties and sixties and get some tendon tissue mm-hmm. and they can date it perfectly wow. to when they were born, okay. everything using that bomb curve. So that's how they're using it with, with sharks, that cartilage and um, some of those, I, I think it was the growth bands on vertebrae. Is that what they used to use?
1: Well, yeah, Chris, another way that researchers will Age sharks, if they end up with a carcass, is by counting the rings that form on the vertebra. And so it's, it's been shown that each year they basically, another ridge forms from the center and grows out um, of cartilage. And so what they think is that these vertebra contain these opaque translucent bands that are cartilage. And they can, yeah, they just count them like rings on a, on a tree. In and in a recent study, like you mentioned, out of Woods Hole Oceanographic Institution in Cape Cod, Massachusetts, uh, they, with using this meth- method, they found a shark. They aged a great white to be somewhere around seventy.
0: Wow, wow, yeah. So there's different ways to to use it. Now, some of the cool physiology. Oh, get of ready, sharks. folks.
1: Put your uh, physiology would... seatbelts on. <laughs>
0: This is the fun part. I think this is the, the, the one area. I mean, I think it was really cool, you know, that sharks emerge before trees and some of the evolution. Mm -hmm. And I kind of knew some of their evolution. This was, this was really, I think the meat and potatoes of this podcast is a little bit on their physiology and then their conservation, which is really critical.
1: Oh, they do some, they do some fun behavior
0: too.
1: We don't know, we don't know too much about the stuff we do
0: know. No. So they have this thing called the ampullae or of Lorenzini. Which are electro receptors. So they have this, these jellyfish pores in their nose. And if anybody that's kind of seen sharks or studied sharks. So because water is so good at conducting, like mm-hmm. we talked about sound and, and other uh, movement and stuff. So sharks use that quite a bit. And we see it, you know, watching shark week and some of these other shows when a shark like comes up and bites the boat or the cage and they're not attacking obviously it's a test bite because their electroreceptors are going crazy and they're like oh what is this what is this what is this boom like oh that sucks yeah you know yeah broke a couple teeth you know (laughs) so so it's one way they sense right
1: detecting the electrical fields in the water and they're which is yeah i went into the weeds in this because
0: Okay, go, go. I figured you would. No, yeah, no, You're I here. was just
1: trying to – I will not be able to explain it. I am just – we still need to cover the electric eel. John and I talked about doing that. Yeah, okay. okay. When we, we saw one recently uh, at the Smithsonian National Zoo. And I, and I was just blown away by some of their physiology and just reading a little bit there. And similar with the shark is, yeah, they basically can detect a voltage difference. Um, and they have cells – that are called electroreceptors. So these are neurons that basically can measure voltage more or less, if you will. And this neuron, these electroreceptors will basically become excited uh, based on certain voltages. And, And without going too dark about shark ampulla, there's my rhyme for the day uh it's it's so interesting I like I said I, I barely understand it but but the voltage change is gauged by channels by voltage gate channels and that's just a fancy word for protein basically on a cell membrane so on the neuron membrane will open to basically shift calcium and other ions in and out of the cell membrane so either to the Um, intracellular fluid, it's called, or the extracellular Mm. fluid. And this shifted change of ions is what causes normal neurons to fire. And these are just ones that are, uh, instead of detecting light rays, like our photoreceptors in the retina of our eye, or pressure changes like our baroreceptors would uh, basically uh, fire off of, electroreceptors are firing off of understanding or picking up on voltage or electrical changes and how they're bouncing basically into the shark's ampulla, into that nose area. So I don't think I explained it very well. (laughs) I need to... (laughs) You're not an electrical yeah, engineer. Not at all. Um, so F minus for me. I, but I also do better when I'm drawing. So I think if I, if I think if I could add like a, a, a character drawing to this, it might, it might actually help. Right. But basically, it's radical. It's crazy that they do this. I, I. Right. I'm just super impressed by a lot of the. Um, we talked a little bit about echolocation with orcas last week, and so now we're talking mm. basically about the ability to detect electrical fields from prey. Right, that's what they're every everything yeah. that's living, um, you know, puts off electrical energy, uh, whether you know it or not. It's kind of like rubbing a balloon on your hair, right? I mean, there's yeah. you have ele- yeah. It, yeah. you you have it um, as a living being, breathing creature. Or not, you know. I guess fish aren't breathing, so they don't technically have to be breathing to create one. But that's what they're—that's what they're using to hunt with, and it's very, Mm -hmm. uh, very well evolved, and just—it's just—it's just just incredible.
0: Yeah, and it's so. Yeah, you think about you know, and I guess we talk a little bit about their predatory predatory behaviors when that's really when they get closer to their prey, right? So they can sense the electrical field. Mm -hmm one of the ways they can actually find that direction that I read about was their sense of smell because they always talk about, Oh, a drop of blood in the water. You know, sharks can smell that from miles away, which isn't necessarily true that far, but their noses are specially adapted. Like, so for example, anything fish extracts, like somebody's like shark feeding frenzy. All of a sudden you see all these sharks come in and they just rip up this fish. They can smell that for one part for every 10 billion parts of water. Yeah. One to 10 billion. These, this, that fish oils, that which everybody should be taking, you know, it's good. DHA, some of Angie's favorite stuff that she studied, but that is crazy. Like they can, they can detect that. It, it's such minute detail. The other is as far as blood is concerned, it's one part per every million parts of water. Okay. So they're much more keen or, or able to sense fish extracts versus blood. But still the blood is like, if you put a teaspoon of something in a normal swimming pool, that's how much, the, and then dilute that out, the sharks can pick that up. Of course we couldn't, but, but they can, so they can, and, and usually it's a few hundred meters away. It's not miles and miles away, you know, unless there's a lot of blood being mixed mm-hmm. in, you know, which would be like a large whale or something. Now their sense of smell is really cool. And, and, you know, you have those pores, those chemoreceptors or electro receptors, yes. not chemoreceptors, the yeah, electroreceptors can, at the base of I don't think I mentioned nose. it, but
1: they can basically detect an electrical charge. Mm-hmm. One, uh, one source said uh, 0.005 microvolts, And then another one oh, said geez. that basically it's a half a billionth of a bolt. So very, very That's subtle. Uh, yeah. Tiny. from Obviously from a, yeah. a great distance.
0: Wow. Now with their smell, how they do this, this is what's really cool. So if, you look at their nose, they have two nasal cavities or two nares, is what they call it. And each, it's on each side of their, their nose, just in front of their eyes or their mouth. And so there's two openings one for water to come in and one to go out. So what the shark does. Oh, it's like a, like a nasal uh, lavage.
1: That we have to, that we give our little kids when they're Yeah. And they
0: pull it. Yeah. Oh, God. And it's like painful. They love, the sharks love doing this. So they've suck it in. It's like doing the Fleming response that horses and tigers and some of these other species do. They pull that water in, and then it there's a nasal sac or olfactory lamellae that has the sensory neurons in there, and they can smell, and then they push it out through the other opening. So water comes in, and they push it out a different opening as they pull more water oh, in, incredible. and that's how they smell. So it's like almost... Yeah. And push it out... It's like they're almost breathing, you know, through our noses, but they're pulling in That's water so to
1: smell. That's so like, cool. That is so cool. Well, and so, just to dork so out cool, on smell for a minute, uh, in the class I was teaching today, we were talking about the senses. And, of course, there's tons of interesting facts about seeing and hearing and all that. It's what makes us be able to appreciate the richness of life and have our human experience. But talking about nerves and neurons – There's a couple systems in the special senses where neurons that typically don't divide and replicate, which is why if you get brain damage or if a spinal cord injury you can be a quadra or paraplegic for the rest of your life, because those nerves don't regenerate. It's just a typical blank. It's just typically well-known that nerves don't regenerate. So within your nose, the neurons in your nose that lead down the olfactory tract, your brain so you can remember wonderful smells and do all this stuff those those neurons have stem cells and they replace and i can't replace if it's like how the frequency of how often they replace but there's definitely stem cells there Mm -hmm. so researchers are desperately trying to learn more about them in order to replace the other typical Mm -hmm. stem cells that, um, are used to study, uh, different diseases that come from fetal tissue. So, right. Super interesting.
0: Again. Yeah, no, no. And and again, a stem cell is one that hasn't been programmed what to become that. Right. So, you know, either a, like you said, a, you know, skin, gut tissue, heart cell, whatever stem cells, you can program them to be anything. So scientists really love studying it because, they're looking at it for regenerative medicine, Correct. right? So maybe neurons, if we can ever get to the point where we can restimulate neural growth, be huge. Or like it would that. be huge. So, and
1: the yeah. other one, fun enough, is in your taste buds. The nerves that help you taste sweet and bitter, unami, thats another taste, salty. Uh, those re- uh, those can be replaced. Ah, uh, within ten days. Like if you burn your tongue on hot cocoa or hot pizza or something, it's the worst. It's the, worst. It's the worst. I never learned. It's always pizza. Why always is it always pizza? Because you just can't wait. It's always just can't wait. I, I can't wait. I shouldn't speak like, for you or all of our listeners. I do. It's always pizza. Uh, it's always. But pizza. yeah, so the neurons in your taste bud also replace. It takes about ten days. So once again, that's another location where the neurons replicate more or less. So yeah. pretty cool. Stuff. Yeah. yeah. Cool. So sorry to dork out. Yeah, it's really cool. Teaching moment The body no, is so it's cool. And I mean, biology. Yeah, biology.
0: Yeah, biology, and then and so, and
1: then what? What made me think about that is as you're mentioning, the shark smelling the water, basically more mm-hmm. or less, and, and how it can smell a drop of blood, and what did you say? A billion.
0: One in one million. So it, the fish extracts one in ten billion. That blood is one in one it's one part per one million right so parts
1: they must have a lot of a lot of really good sensory sensory, neurons. sensory nasal neurons yeah. that can that can yeah. do that right and that's why detect that and that's the difference yeah. between us and dogs like dogs have so many more uh yeah. smell receptors or smell neurons in their nose right. than we do
0: yeah yeah, and we just talked about that too it was the what species was it that actually had oh, bears? Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was it was the grizzly yeah, bear the has snitch, more the sensory th- neurons than <laughs> dogs. Yeah. Yeah, they actually have a better better smell than than uh, the best dog. Now the other sense that we're talking about, so we had the the neural receptors or what well, the electroreceptors, Electro. then we had the smell, okay. So. Then sight. Vision. Okay. Mm-hmm. So I think the smell kind of gets them in the general direction. Then they're like, oh, over here, over here, you know, and they, they kind of pray, get into their prey. Then I think the electrical helps, and then also sight. So sharks actually have very good underwater eyesight. They have special tissue called Taptum lucidum. And this actually is, is behind the retina. So. Basically, when light enters the eye, it reflects back to the retina instead of being absorbed. And this gives them really good visibility in deep, dark waters. Hmm. And they actually say that their underwater vision is about 10 times better than that of us. So they have really good underwater vision. So they're using their electrical senses, their smell, and their vision Now, one of the iconic things about great white sharks is that white eye when they are attacking prey, right? They roll their eyes back. have this. Okay, so you got to the (laughs) punchline. Thank you. (laughs) There's two ways sharks protect their eyes. (laughs) I was going to guess which one. So that is how great whites do it. They roll their eyes back and it, it protects them. It gives them that white eye, that kind of fearsome look. The other way some sharks protect is they actually have the nicotine, nicotating membrane that covers okay. the eye. That's what I initially thought it was that I was like, Oh, they just have that white, like Nick membrane that covers their, their eyes, but it's actually, they roll their eyes in the back of their
1: Yeah. Head. I watched a little it's shark like, week. Um, I love it. I love it. Yeah. <laughs> okay. <laughs> And i could so, I'll spare you the details you know, I could actually tell you the eye muscles that do that because I covered that in my class today, but I will not I'm putting it on your exams if anybody's listening though I am putting that i, I oh, made yeah. a question that was like yeah. you should tell them you should say hey become
0: Patriots. Yeah, 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 uh, <laughs> uh, that would be that would be immoral no, and wrong, but and I do want to put a
1: question on there yeah well you're yeah, you're rolling your eyes at your teacher because she's telling you some annoying facts what muscles yeah. Yeah, it's basically all of them there's there's yeah, six. Exactly. And this is in humans I don't know in sharks I'm sure they're Similar, we had different, uh, but that's awesome, Chris. And so I focused talking about, you kind of talked about how they, they locate their prey. Uh, Mm -hmm. what I found interesting Mm -hmm. just to look at specific numbers, I suppose, is once they find their prey and they chomp into it, trying to learn a little bit more about their teeth. Because I like to go shark teeth hunting with Xander, yeah, and Zach, and John. Yeah. No, it's great. Yeah. And so it's it's pretty incredible. Uh, they're equipped with around 300 shark triangular teeth that, with, with up to seven rows. And, and these triangular teeth can be 6.6 inches in height. So that's a half of a foot. That's, yeah,
0: they're big. Yeah. Big, big, big teeth. Yeah, big teeth.
1: And white sharks, like a lot of other sharks, have serrated teeth behind the main ones, which they're basically ready to replace whenever they break one off. So another cool behavior to help utilize the the sharpness of the teeth and the serrated sides is that when a shark bites, it shakes its head side to side like your dog with a toy. Mm -hmm. And that basically helps the teeth Mm -hmm. saw off large chunks of flesh.
0: Yeah, that's crazy. It's crazy. That's I think that's one of their major evolution strategies that, that has allowed them to survive so long is the ability to replenish teeth. Yeah,
1: And the other really cool adaptation, I know you'll dork out on this with me, is the fact that the great white has adapted the ability to maintain a body temperature warmer than the surrounding water. So we always <laughs> think about fish that they're cold-blooded and they're basically whatever temperature the water mm. is. And the way that they're able to do this, Chris, is that they have this close web-like structure of veins and arteries. It's called the rete mirabile. I'm totally it's Latin for mm-hmm. it's Latin for wonderful net. <laughs> I I made a real, I made a really That's funny face when I said horrible. that. Rete <laughs> Mirabale. Our Latin's I don't know. terrible. It's Latin. Anyways. Yeah, that's good. It's this, clo- A it's this, this yeah. web-like structure of arteries and veins along the lateral side of the shark. And it conserves the heat by basically warming the cooler arterial blood coming away from the heart with the venous blood that has already been warmed by the muscles working while they swim. So this keeps basically some of the body particularly like the stomach at temperatures up to 14 degrees Celsius or that's for you and I that's 25 degrees Fahrenheit higher than the surrounding mm-hmm. water. Now the the heart and the gills and other parts will remain at the sea temperature. So yeah, it's just it's just really Incredible that they are able to, you know, internally regu- regulate some of the heat, right? Or heat loss, I should and say. And so,
0: what happens, right? And for people that that haven't studied physiology, basically, when your cells work or consume oxygen and nutrients, they produce energy, right? So that comes off as heat. And so that's why our bodies stay warm is because you have a lot of working, your heart muscle, your core body temperature, things like that uh, is producing heat all the time. So, certain species like that live in cold water, or, you know, we talk about even reptiles are are not cold blooded, meaning their blood's ice cold. It just means they're cooler than, than, say, mammals. And yeah, no, it's cool stuff. It's cool stuff. It's science. You got to love it. You got to love it. You got to love it. Now, really quickly, the the only two predators that kill sharks obviously are orcas. On occasion, will kill a great white shark. The movie and Jaws, humans, you know. <laughs> so that's, the, yeah, the Jaws, the movie Jaws did do a lot of harm to them. Now, what they eat, I mean, seals, sea lions, porpoises, dolphins, small whales, sea turtles. Again, you know they they eat larger fish. In the ocean, anything they can get their, their hands on, they will eat large whales. If the whales are dead, you know, they'll come in. They've seen lots of sharks feeding on whale carcasses. Basically, a great white shark's mm-hmm. an ambush predator. You know, you've seen that, like, jumping jaw- – it, is it Jaws on that show too? Leaping, jumping, whatever, the leaping um, sharks? Well, the
1: behavior is called a breach. Okay. But, yeah, they basically – they're cunning and they – they take their prey by surprise and they'll position themselves actually underneath the victim and then they'll swim up and chomp. And sometimes they burst out of water in a leap called a breach before falling back with their, with their dinner in their mouth.
0: Yeah. And that's the airborne jaws, or whatever it was called on, on that show, mm-hmm. showing them jumping out of the waters they tried to ambush. So, and basically, you know, what they like to do is bite their prey and then wait for the prey to die. So they'll bite and take off and circle around for a while. And then once the prey's dead, they'll go in and feed. You know, they're mm-hmm. they're actually pretty shy, you know, and, and that's the thing you go back to, you know, again, we talk about the bad reputation they have, but people that understand shark behavior that did these free dives with great whites, you know, they knew how to read the sharks. And I remember like the 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 guy that was doing it, he'd like do a threatening behavior and the shark would kind of like veer off because it was like very threatening uh, to them. So they are, and you know, you know, so they're powerful. And can you remember, can you remind me the bite force, if we go back to where they are on that uh, scale?
1: Well, um, in 2008, a team of scientists uh, led by Stephen Rowe determined that a great white could exert a bite force of 18,216 newtons. So I'm not up on my Newtons. I think that's a lot. (laughs) I don't think it's the biggest one we've covered.
0: Well, Angie, just remembering, I I know sharks were on there, but it was actually a lot smaller than we thought Mm -hmm. compared to some species. It was still the crocodile was the king of bite force. I think I remember that. And then, you know, you had sharks in there, but it wasn't as much. And I remember watching a show on that long time ago that sharks – you know, it's a powerful bite, but again, they're not clamping on and taking yeah, off. Yeah, they're right? utilizing
1: their teeth to do, that, right. to, to, to do the Yeah. The sharp, serrated teeth to do the work. So, yeah, where a
0: crocodile will grab and hold mm-hmm. and pull under, you know, so they have an incredibly strong bite force and to, to not let go. Whereas a shark is going to bite powerfully and then flee and let the animal bleed out and then come back and feed. Mm-hmm. So,. That's probably why their bite force hasn't been evolved as much because it doesn't need to be. It doesn't sure. need to be. Right. And if
1: anybody can educate us on, on Newton's and what that really means, please, <laughs> it's physics. Help it's, a girl out. It's, is it how many it's apples physics. it would take to drop from a tree? Or no, it was. Like 8, oh, I don't know. We do
0: <laughs> Well, in the U.S., we do pounds per square inch, of so sure. PSI, and yeah, you know, it, it's probably more of a general accepted measurement. Now, before I let you go on behavior and let you run on some of the cool stuff they do, I, I do want to talk about this again, the great whites behavior with orcas. And again, going to the Farallon islands where they've studied this and we go back to elephant seals. We did about 10 pods ago. We talked about elephant seals off Farallon islands. When the elephant seals are there, great whites are there waiting for them. Oh yeah. Right. Right.
1: They know to bite so them in the hind are, legs to immobile, immobilize yeah.
0: them. Yeah. Oh. And, you know, or, or in the hind fins, right? I'm oh,
1: sorry. <laughs> <laughs> it's getting late here, Chris. Let's wrap this up.
0: I'm like, we're not talking elephants. We're talking <laughs> elephant seals. But you're right.
1: Thank you. Good catch. And,
0: yeah. So they, they have found when orcas are in the area or when they're going through the area, the sharks flee. And Heck I said yeah. they don't come back for months, yeah. up to
1: a year. That's crazy.
0: Now – I said this one program they studied was like, was it something released in the water that they smelled? Probably not. They just know. There's a lot more intelligence there than we give them credit for. Oh, yeah. Just they know wait when it. orcas are around. I'm going to talk about yeah, that. They're mm-hmm. they're gone. What was good news for the elephant seals, though, is when orcas were around, predatory strikes on elephant seals dropped by 62%. <laughs> so it was good to be an elephant seal during those years.
1: Yeah.
0: Uh, where They did that, but... Yeah. So what do we know about great white shark behavior?
1: Well, there's a lot to learn still about white sharks that is hands down the main take home message. So it would be a real shame to let these guys go to hunt them into extinction because of our fears or because of some silly fin soup, which Chris is going to talk about more when we get to conservation, because there's still there's a lot of mysteries We've learned more about them in the past 20 or 30 years uh as there's been diligent researchers working on them but being an ocean dwelling animal it's hard to learn a lot about them but the more we do keep learning the more we know that they are intelligent at they're migrating more than we ever thought that they they did uh and they're super cunning as far as hunting goes and as Chris And I had pointed out they have all these hunting adaptations that have helped them survive for millennia. Um, and one behavior that I, that I learned about, um, besides just typical feeding behaviors that we've touched on is white sharks have this unusual behavior among sharks that they sometimes raise their head out of the water to observe activity above the surface
0: really Mm -hmm. (laughs) it's like porpoising like a like a whale right
1: this behavior is actually called spy hopping and Mm -hmm. i think it goes to show their intelligence is that they okay this is what's you know do i really want to be involved in this situation is this really my prey (laughs) is this where i want to be what's happening here because yeah it's not really seen a lot in other types of sharks and so it's just it's just really incredible and their migratory distances of going from point A to point B and covering all these miles how do they do that how do they know where they're going where do they know where where they're going uh recent data has come out in this migratory data that's been coming out of a lot of these really cool shark tagging um abilities that we have through like GPS and things like that. And some recent data of trying to understand shark feeding behavior has shown us that while they're typically solitary animals, they are from time to time seen in pairs or small groups. And the little Mm -hmm. bit that we do know about their social hierarchies is that they'll establish somewhat of a dominant hierarchy. And they're turning out to be way more socially complex and they're featuring behaviors with other white sharks, such as parallel swimming, jaw gaping, pectoral fin depression, and even splash fights. Like, get out of here, girl. Uh-uh, <laughs> no, you did not.
0: <laughs> splash fights, i I don't even know what that behavior the, is, yeah, but that, I don't want to know that, because that my thing. visual and it's just yeah. like so
1: funny. It's like, uh-uh, girl, no, you didn't. But so, yeah, and, and so it's just, and I don't know where these splash fights occur, but one place they don't typically really occur is when they're feeding on whale carcasses because what's been reported is this generally solitary species will basically form these temporary social hierarchies when they're all munching on a whale carcass. And Mm -hmm. it's basically whatever this hierarchy is, that, like you can eat now I'm going to eat and we're not going to be mad at each other is all maintained through subtle body language.
0: We have no idea how they mate. We know where, we have no idea where the babies come from. They just, they just.
1: Yeah. (laughs) And I'll get to, we know a little bit about, they actually have, they give live birth. There's my spoiler alert. So we do, um, um, uh, pregnant, uh, pregnant great white sharks have been examined due to bycatch or whatever. Yeah. Uh huh. Being caught or whatever. Yeah. What? Like say what? Like this species that we so fear and it's like, uh, ah, we don't know anything about it. It's just it's just incredible. But you were going to say something I'm sure was really deep and important, but I got all worked up. It.
0: No, 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 no. I'm just saying like it, it's – watching that show, I remember I, – I, I guess it's because these breeding grounds are off the coast. So I know from reading articles around here in California, there's a lot of baby great whites in the water. And there have been stories I've read just literally 20 miles from me where surfers were like petting a six foot great white that, that was like swimming seem around smart. them. No. I didn't think that was the smartest, th- Those no, people aren't very the evolved, smartest thing to do. Teach their own. No, but they were naming the sharks, yeah. but it shows you that the Aggressive. sharks were. No, and I, I think I remember dangerous. that
1: campaign and I, and I yeah. get it. I get what they're trying to do. And yeah. Um, yeah.
0: So, baby great mm-hmm. whites off my coast, you know, right. Like I said, I was driving by the ocean today and I was like, I wonder how many great whites are out there right now. I bet you there's a, there's a handful. At least, we'll we'll, at we'll least talk about numbers. There's
1: not right. a ton <laughs> from what we know. Yeah, That's for sure. No, uh, no, So what do researchers know? Well, regarding their life cycle, and this is really important because it's going to tie into some of their conservation issues, is that they take a long time to reach sexual maturity for a fish, if you will. I think they're a special kind of fish in my opinion, but... They previously Mm -hmm, thought mm -hmm. that for a male, it was going to be 15 years, but now they're thinking it might be more like 26 to reach sexual maturity, to be able to produce offspring.
0: And well, and think about it. They're smaller than the females and females sex selection, you know, selection of mates is probably right. Well, and females
1: are thinking it might take up to 33 years. So if they're getting poached, for shark fin, and I'm I mean, gonna, that's your baby. I'm gonna let you go with that here in a little bit. Uh, before they're even able to reproduce offspring, like that's just disgusting for lack of better terms. Um, and then really, we don't know much about their courtship, how, uh, how they meet, meet up and find each other in this big ocean. Uh, they obviously don't typically travel together. They are more or less solitary. So, Researchers speculate that they might do behaviors like that uh, the a breach pattern where they jump out of the water. They think that maybe a male might do that to show off. Um, to impress them. Yeah, to show off. Again, uh, we gotta do
0: this book. We have to do this book. Oh my goodness, you
1: I know, but they just they just they really just they really just don't for the most part they just don't mm. know a lot. Uh they um
0: I'm saying we have to do this book of male mating behaviors and then have John demonstrate all of them.
1: (laughs) Do pictures. Oh, my my Johnny Cakes can do a big breach uh, breach splash. Oh, yeah. He's the king of cannonballs. Um, It's not pretty, but it's very effective (laughs) to make a splash. That's for sure. Uh, And then, so, but they do obviously meet up. And when they do meet up, they breed. But obviously, somehow they find each other. Researchers, they know how to find each other. Researchers don't know how to, how to do it, which is shows how intelligent they are. They're able to hide from us. Bless their hearts. But boy and girl white shark meet up and the reproduction is known as ov, oviparous. Yeah. Yeah. It's like ov, ov. Yeah. Okay. So because why does that matter? It doesn't really matter. Yeah. For for our listeners, I just like to- Say big words. Slaughter words, I guess, yeah. Uh, But what it means is that the eggs are fertilized and then they're retained. Instead of uh, a lot of fish species will lay their Mm -hmm. eggs, uh, these eggs are retained inside the female's body and they develop Mm -hmm. there. And so a female gives live birth. And What is also known is that prior to birth, the young in the quote-unquote womb uh, will sometimes feed on underdeveloped eggs and or possibly their unborn siblings.
0: Great. Thanks.
1: Researchers <laughs> be- <laughs> yeah. May the sh- strongest yeah. shark survive, right? Uh, uh, and so researchers also think the gestation period is around 12 months, but I read other people think it might be up to 22 oh, like months. Elephant. Okay. Uh and that breeding would only occur every other year. So yeah, but they don't know where breeding occurs. They they speculate it's in mm. warm water. Nobody wants to breed no. in cold water, please. <laughs> Yuck.
0: We'll go there, we'll go there.
1: But, but uh yeah, but they just you know, they but they don't they don't know. But regarding shark offspring, or they're also called pups, is that a litter can consist of anywhere from two to ten pups that I guess eight their unborn siblings, bless their hearts. Um, uh, the largest recorded uh, litter was fourteen, wow. and um, she—that was actually just recently uh, in 2019. She was accidentally killed off of the coast of Taiwan. So, um, and when a newborn shark is a meter in length, yeah,
0: pretty big. So that's yeah, big.
1: yeah. Big. and like I said, they give live birth, so that that's really just. That's just super cool. Um, and the newborns, of course, get no help from mom. So you nope. got a
0: deadbeat mom. Uh, a deadbeat mom and, and a deadbeat dad. Deadbeat dad that, might eat them. Ah, that might so, eat them, I might add. But the ki- they think they might eat them. I mean, maybe.
1: <laughs> so yeah. the, as soon as they're born, the, the pups swim away and they're independent. And they basically grow. Of 25 centimeters each year, and like I said, they're considered mature around 10, and it's still up for debate when they become sexually mature. Yeah. But yeah, they're predators from the moment they're born with their innate senses of how to hunt. Mom doesn't teach them anything. Uh, what What's really cool is because of some of this tagging that these groups are doing. And we'll talk more about that when we get to my speci- my organization of the week. Is just recently in the past year or so we've learned about what are called shark nurseries. Mm-hmm. Uh, researchers at the Florida Atlantic University, so okay, here yeah. in my in my state yeah, FAU. and the team just confirmed this location off the great state of New York. Hello to my New York friends. Um, and they've why it's called a nursery is because they've found um, up to 10 babies that are under one years of age. Okay. Okay. And so they think what these nursery are, nursery areas are places where these young guys spend, young guys and gales spend a lot of time growing. They're hidden from mm-hmm. predators, um, and they're just trying to learn how to be a shark. Mm-hmm. And so, why do we care about this? Uh, and why is this an important discovery? Well, because then we can try to protect that habitat, mm-hmm. right? Because they don't have this sanctuary nursery type place to grow up and learn more about how to become a shark that can survive, they're not going to make it to be 10 or potentially 23 or some mm-hmm. of those other mm-hmm. higher numbers I was ta- talking about for sexual maturity to actually reproduce. So it's really important their survival that we learn more about how they grow. Well, how they mate would be great mm-hmm. or where they mate or how they meet up mm-hmm. and how we could. And then, of course, when they are young, how we can help them survive and thrive.
0: No, and I mean, it's important because looking at conservation, I mean, they're they're listed as vulnerable. I mean, this data is old, 2005, so almost 15 years old. We actually have no idea on total population.
1: Um, Yeah, I was reading it basically unknown, right? uh, Vulnerable, but population trend unknown, number mature um, individuals, Unknown. unknown. Yeah.
0: And so there is a couple studies. There was studies off South Africa was bad news that actually the population's half of what they thought it was. And they, they think about a thousand and that, you know, they're said, this paper said they're sliding towards extinction in that area of the world. They're, they're not doing well off South Africa. Now, due to protections. In the United States, they're doing quite well and have rebounded from a few hundred to Angie off the coast of California. They estimate there's 2,400 great whites. Mm-hmm. So like I said, I really look out and I guarantee you in that field division, mm-hmm. there were some great white sharks there today. And right now well, they're swimming off my coast.
1: In awesome California, they put them on yeah. the Endangered Species Act. Species Act. Yeah, that's uh, why. And so it just goes to show what a little bit of protection can go a long way. And yeah. Massachusetts, um, mm-hmm. to my husband's home state, mm-hmm. they, uh, have put some, some different regulations in to ban catching, cage diving, feeding, to- to- towing decoys, baiting mm-hmm. and chumming, um, without an appropriate, uh, research permit. So they basically want to try to protect both. The sharks yeah. and the public. So, yeah, and, the,
0: and they said I did read the East Coast is is recovering slower, but that's more due to a lack of abundance of prey. Mm-hmm,
1: it's not mm-hmm. so much
0: that there's not protections in place, but that there just isn't the, the prey that we're seeing here in, say, California.
1: Yeah. yeah. And a big shout out to our buddies, our Aussie buddies. Um they're, yeah, they're, they're good. <laughs> yeah, well, they've declared them vulnerable and mm-hmm. they put a lot of uh different protections in place. Mm-hmm. And there's been some po- population estimates around 2,200 individuals. Um, and so they're really trying to protect them out there and that. And, yeah. and similarly, so is New Zealand. New Zealand yeah. put them as nationally endangered. Mm-hmm. And they think that their population may be somewhere is, is stable, but needs protection yeah. and somewhere between a, that their population is somewhere between a thousand and maybe 5,000 individuals, mature individuals. Yeah.
0: Yeah, which is cool. I remember looking at the coast, looking for blue whales. I was probably seeing more great whites than blue <laughs> probably.
1: whales. Probably just didn't know it. <laughs> yeah, yeah.
0: Down there. So, but what does
1: all that add up to? Like, so what do we think the global population no, is? No, I,
0: I didn't. We you can't know, even guess. Tens of yeah, thousands, maybe. Yeah, tens of thousands. But yeah, still very low because overall sharks are in crisis. I mean, this is the point I think in conservation. We do know IUCN out of all the sharks and rays in the world. Nearly a quarter or 24% are threatened with extinction. A quarter of sharks and rays are threatened with extinction. This is it's horrific. Insane. It's a, it's a mass slaughter and a lot of it is shark fin soup. So that is a big thing in Asia, even here in the United States. Angie and I have talked about this a little bit before, but sharks are being harvested in mass. Their fins are cut off and they're thrown back in the ocean and they just keep the fins for this uh, shark so fin ridiculous. soup. And as, as Angie just said, they have a long reproductive cycle. It takes a long time for them to mature. So sharks are not recovering as quickly as they should be. In some populations, they they up to 98% des, decimation rate. They're just in it, it, the oceans are in crisis. It's just horrific. Looking at data at some of the top shark fishing nations, uh, Indonesia was number one, India, Spain, Taiwan, Argentina, Mexico, and then the United States at number seven. You know, so Pakistan, Malaysia, Japan rounded right out the top ten. So they're, th- these are going out, catching sharks and, you know, either eating them or, or, or killing them. So the oceans are in crisis. Sharks are in crisis. We need to support there. I'm going to get conservation tips here in a minute on how to protect sharks, but Angie's got an organization she wants to give a shout out to real quick.
1: Oh, I want to give a huge shout out. If you do anything for, to better your life, you need to go to www.o search.org. And that is spelled dot org, And they're also on, on Facebook. Why? Because this group is fantastic. They are, they have been, humanely catching and releasing sharks. And and they're actually moving on to, to other aquatic species for many years now. So this organization is incredible. What it is, is a team of scientists up to 174 scientists that have gone on over 34 expeditions on one big boat and tagged over 400 animals primarily sharks. And they started back in, I believe, 2008. And they've grown tremendously since then. And their mission is that they're a data-centric organization and they want to help scientists collect previously unattainable data, all that stuff I've been talking about previously in the podcast about not knowing their reproductive behavior, their courtship behavior, any, all, their birthing behavior. And their mission is to basically accelerate the ocean's return to balance and abundance. And they do this not only through tagging sharks and other marine life to learn more about them, but they do a brilliant amount of research, education, outreach, and policy by basically bringing together a lot of experts and individuals and institutions uh, throughout the United States and abroad. And so just trust me, you will thank me if you just click on their website because you can see live, real live time pinging. I'm looking
0: at it right now. I'm looking at it so right now.
1: Of sharks that have been tagged around the world. So Chris, Over and zoom in over onto Florida. What are some of the, and of course they give the sharks names. What name me some of the sharks in my area. I know
0: it's hilarious. I, Mary, they has gone away. So they don't know where Mary, Okay, Mary Lee. That's who I, I
1: followed a lot when I first.
0: Yeah. 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 I learned that's when I learned about
1: this about a year and a half ago, this group.
0: So right off Lando, the tiger shark is right off Daytona right now, Mm -hmm. or just North of Daytona. Mm -hmm. So he's an hour away from you. You go a little bit farther, Miss May.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, Miss May is between Jacksonville and... Is she
1: Daytona. a tiger or a white shark?
0: No, she's a white shark, okay. about 11 feet.
1: All DeMott, right.
0: tiger shark, is is off of West Palm Beach. Uh, Bull shark, Lorianne, is like in West Palm Beach, probably hitting the bars or something. Um, if you go to the other coast, go to the Gulf side, Miss Lily Aww, is just... No, Yeah, she's north of Tampa, six-foot bull shark uh, out there. I'm looking for white sharks in the Gulf right now. Let me see. Um, You have Hudson. Nice. Small, Mm -hmm. five, six-foot great white, uh, probably near your mom, more down, uh, where's that, uh, the Fort Fort
1: Myers area.
0: Fort Myers area. He's off the coast there. Uh, Near Cuba, Miss Costa, white shark, is off there in Cuba. Peggy Hughes, she's a mako shark um tiger shark south jaw right off pensacola so yeah it, this is amazing it's cool it's cool i definitely well this and um
1: uh, because my mom raised me to always tell the truth i was actually playing with it a little bit when you were doing evolution <laughs> oh, Yeah, yeah. Thanks. <laughs> <laughs> it's just so cool it, it's just amazing it's incredible uh, to see these guys in real time and yeah. i just Oh, Surge, thank you so much. Like them on Facebook. Yeah. Their website is brilliant. Um, obviously, Chris is yeah. playing on it right now as I'm talking. Bless yeah. his heart. He should be. No, but
0: no, no. All right, I'm ready. You can
1: learn more about their programs and about the amazing um, – mm-hmm. John actually saw their CEO talk about a year ago. Mm-hmm. Uh, and just – it's really hopeful, right? It's a very positive group. Yeah. Uh, and, and they believe in it. And I believe in what they're doing. And they work hard. And they believe that we can save uh, these species. Yeah. We just need to educate ourselves about them and learn more about them. And that the way to do that is through collaborative data centric, what Chris and I are obviously all about evidence-based science and policy, uh, or evidence-based science to help determine policy of how best to save these guys. And, right. and their website is super cool. And you can, uh, yeah. there's a donate link there and just lots of yeah. fun facts about the oceans and about the sharks that they tag. And it's a really, um,
0: yeah, it's fun. It's just it's really fun.
1: incredible. So Chris will put it up on our show notes. Check them out. O-Search with a C. You you can thank me later. All
0: right. Conservation tips. Stop eating sharks. Period. Don't eat sharks anymore. I used to eat mako. I had mako before. Shark steak. No. Stop buying any shark products. Sharks are in crisis. Well, not
1: only in crisis, but they, they hold on to their... Heavy toxic metals, <laughs> so it's probably yeah, not the best. Well, this
0: was 10 years, yeah, this was a while ago, but yeah, this was. I'd stop eating shark, stop buying shark products. Here's some things that have shark in it or po- potentially have shark in it whitefish fillets, fish patties, or fish fingers. Okay, rock salmon. If you see rock salmon listed, that is shark. Okay, good to know, it's just they list it as rock salmon, Sneaky. it's not a salmon, it's yeah any flake type of white sh- white fish flaky white fish that's probably shark okay imitation crab sticks i didn't know imitation crab is made from shark but some of it mm. is this is this one supplements containing chondroitin or squalene or squalane so look for squalene or squalane that is shark liver oil or shark cartilage oh. um and then the other big one, I thought, any souvenirs like shark teeth. I mean, unless you go get your own, go, go, go to Florida, find your own shark you teeth.
1: F- I mean, my yeah. two year old finds them; it's that Everywhere. easy.
0: Yeah, don't buy shark jaws. You know, they used to sell those like crazy on the side. No, stop it now. Cosmetic and beauty products, Angie. I know for <laughs> it's all, for those that wear makeup. So I am going to be going after Julie with this. I am going to be looking at all of her stuff. Anything with squalene, okay. Squalene is a How shark do you spell byproduct, it? S-Q- it's shark liver oil. S Q. Okay. S Q U A L E N. Squalene. Okay. Squalene. Okay. squalene. I'll, I'll look. All right. And then anything with shark leather or anything that like that—that's that's just junk. Don't do it. So the two things you should look for is anything with squalene, avoid like crazy. Okay. Got it. All right. So Angie, at the beginning, we talked about where sharks are and worldwide, great white sharks on average kill about six people a year through accidental bites, things like that. Very rare do they just eat people. They just don't. They just don't do it. And like I told you in, a, in another pod before where I when I was out surfing, I guarantee you there was great whites near me or within the vicinity. I just never knew it. I just never knew. As much as I've been in the ocean, I guarantee you there was maybe a small one. I don't know. But I guarantee you there was the top 10 animal deaths per year in the world estimates mm-hmm. here you go you ready okay sharks didn't even make the top 15 i think there were, i think there were 16 great whites tapeworms number 10 700 people per year crocodiles number 9 at 1000 per year roundworms 4500 per year tsetse fly 10000 people per year and that's because they transmit sleeping sickness Listen to this one. Assassin bugs, 12,000 people per year. Assassin bugs. Yeah. That's because they they spread the Chagas disease. The Chagas disease. Freshwater snails, Hmm. 20,000 people a year because they have a parasitic worm in them. Okay. Don't eat any escargot that are freshwater. I wouldn't. This one surprised me. I didn't know it was this high. Dogs. 35,000 people per year around the world are killed by dogs.
1: No, Not
0: wild dogs. Not African wild dogs. Dogs. Snakes. 100,000 per year. And I know we did a snake episode. We're like, oh, snakes are safe. In the U.S., it's only six per year because we have anti-venom, stuff like that. I mean, this is worldwide. So there's, you know, obviously the population, world population isn't in, you know, the United States or whatever. It's in some of these poorer countries that don't have anti-venom. Number two. Hmm. Can you guess who number two is? You probably know who number one is, but who's number two? Hmm. Animal. Any animal on earth. Number two. You're looking at them. (laughs) (laughs) Humans. (laughs) On average, 437,000 people per year. Okay. And the number one is? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Almost wow. 750,000 per year. Seven uh, malaria.
1: Three quarters. Of the so of people. yeah.
0: Yeah. Malaria. So malaria is no, no joke. So, you know, sharks are very misunderstood. Sharks are, don't deserve this fearsome reputation. They deserve our love. They need our help we're going to be doing a general we're going to follow up in in probably a couple months at general shark species maybe we'll do tiger or bull well and i reached out to the O Search
1: people i would love yeah. to interview them oh uh, that'd be a couple awesome. days ago i haven't heard anything yeah. back so yeah. they're obviously busy yeah. on a boat somewhere but yeah, yeah. yeah fingers crossed i would love yeah. to talk to them or any shark or just a shark researcher in general would be awesome yeah.
0: And we'll come up with another amazing species, and uh, we'll talk to you then. So thanks for supporting us. Thank you. Thank you. We love you. Thank you.
1: Thank you, everyone.
0: Listen. Learn. Share. Join the movement at allcreaturespod.com.
1: Ohio, ready for some quick mental health facts? Let's go. Nearly 2 million Ohioans live with a mental health condition.